tashidele every time my heart just softens thank you <laughs> it's a big feeling to be doing that and with everybody when we all sat in silence that was really beautiful so thank you to every single person this is a reading from Bede Griffith's Return to Center. The goal of each religion is the same. It is the absolute, transcendent state, the one reality, the eternal truth, which cannot be expressed, cannot be conceived. This is the goal not only of all religion, but of all human existence. Whether they like it or not, all men and women are con continually attracted to this transcendent truth. The intellect, in and beyond every formulation by which it seeks to express its thought, is in search of the absolute. Our intellect is made for being itself, for reality, for truth, and it cannot rest satisfied in any partial truth in any construction of the human mind. It is always being carried beyond itself to the ultimate truth. So what are we up to here? Here I am, you know, a Christian priest, ordained into the Church of England, which is in communion with the Episcopal Church at Aspen Chapel, admittedly non-denominational, but, you know, still pretty Christian in that it was founded by Mennonites and run by a Methodist for nearly 40 years. And here we are chanting with Buddhist monks. You know, there are people who say that this is, could be pretty iffy. Do you have that expression in America? <laughs> iffy. It, it means... Uh, not sure about this, of doubtful value. And in fact, I know that this wouldn't have been allowed in some of the churches that I served in in England, you know, the ones that I've been a part of. You know, how can you square all the Christian stuff and the Buddhist stuff? And really, that's what uh, I want to be ad addressing today. You know, what are we doing? That quote from Bede Griffiths is so important. Bede Griffiths was a Benedictine monk, um, and the monks at the Snowmass Monastery are Benedictines. And he was a one-time student of C.S. Lewis. And in nine, he, he set up a Benedictine ashram, a monastery in Shantivanam in India, and he meditated alongside the Hindus. And he became a leading thinker in the development of the dialogue between Christian and Hindus. And by the end of his life, he was known as Swami Dayananda, which means bliss of compassion. So just listen to that again. He says the goal of each religion is the same. He doesn't say each religion is the same. He says the goal of each religion. It is the absolute, this is the goal, the absolute transcendent state, the one reality the eternal truth, which cannot be expressed and cannot be conceived. This is the goal, he says, not only of all religions, but of, he says, this is the goal of all human existence. 
And whether they like it or not, all men and women are continually attracted to that transcendent truth. The intellect, the rational mind, in and beyond every formulation by which it seeks to express its thought, the intellect is in search of the absolute. Our intellect is made for being itself. It is made for truth, for reality. And the intellect cannot rest satisfied in any partial truth or any construction of the human mind. It is always being carried beyond itself to the ultimate truth. And I think this is the key about what we're doing here together now. Most of the time, religions squabble about themselves, each of them claiming that, yes, I have the absolute truth. Christians say that there is only one God and one way to God through Jesus. Buddhists will say there is no God, just the greater self. Muslims will say that Islam is the ultimate truth and the guide to reach their creator, Allah, the sole sustainer and creator of the universe. Hindus will say there are many gods and so on. But Bede Griffiths is saying that religion, you know, what he's really saying is that religion is really just a cultural interpretation of the ultimate truth. Religion is a cultural interpretation of the ultimate truth. Christians see the truth from Christian perspectives, you know, mediated through Jesus's experience, the nature of reality and how his followers interpreted it. Buddhists do the same from Buddha's experience. Muslims see it through the lens of Muhammad. Each culture defines its understanding of the ultimate truth through the perception and the insights of the founder and the interpretation of that insight by the founder and their followers. But in reality, if you bore down through our humanness in each one of us, from whatever place we come from, it is the same ultimate truth. And that seems to make sense to me. If we now stood up and took all our clothes off and mingled together, we'd be closed down very shortly. Now, <laughs> if we did that, then we wouldn't be able to tell who was Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Catholic, Protestant. We just wouldn't be able to tell. We would all simply be human. And we share that humanity. We also share with that humanity what's at the core of that humanity, that ultimate truth, no matter what shape we feel it is. You know, the old story of the five blind men who had to tell the shape of an elephant from their own perspective. And one had the tail, one had the trunk, one had a leg, one had an ear, one had the stomach. They all had to feel what the elephant shape was through what they were in contact with. And that's how religions differ, touching different parts, but all of the same ultimate truth. But the question I'm really asking here is, you know, how do you square Christianity as an Eastern religion? There's that thread that Christians seem to hold on to, you know, that the world was bad, became bad through the sin of Adam, and that Moses came along and gave us the law, and then Jesus had to come along to make it right and die for our sins so that we could be justified and saved and go to heaven through him. Now, that's a bit of a stretch from the Buddhist idea of enlightenment. 
To study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. When actualized by myriad things, your body and your mind, as well as the body and minds of all others, drop away. No trace of realization remains and non-trace continues endlessly. Now, Buddhist enlightenment sounds very different from the salvation of the Christian religion. But I think that this radical understanding of the nature of reality that we hear about in Buddhist tradition is present in the Christian religion. It is there. It is the last place that many choose to look for enlightenment. If people say, oh, I want to get enlightened, I'm going to go to church. They don't do that. You know, there isn't that link. But when you read the words of Jesus closely, it is absolutely there. You know, most of the time, Jesus, you know, when he's asked something, he goes off about long descriptions about birds of the air and fish of the sea and corn and stony ground. However, there are times when he's asked a direct question about the nature of reality. At one point, he's asked, where is the kingdom of heaven? In other words, where is God? Because the best definition of heaven is really where God is. Nowadays, we often see heaven as the place that you go to when you die. But that's not the answer that Jesus gives. He says in Luke's gospel, the kingdom of heaven does not come with your careful observation. Nor do people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. I mean, you know, that is an amazing piece of information. He doesn't point to the sky, you know, or go into parables or beat about the bush in any way. He says the kingdom of heaven is within you. And to my mind, that chimes exactly what we're talking about. The concept of an inner reality with a supreme being, a supreme self that is available to us through our consciousness. And, you know, he goes further. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Now, to unpack that, I think that is one of the best definitions of unity of consciousness that I've heard. If you look at how he's explaining it, he says that I, Jesus, exist in that unity of consciousness. You exist within my reality of that unity of consciousness, framed by it. And I exist in your reality which is also framed by unity of consciousness. He's describing the same unity of consciousness. In other words, we all share a common experience in that unity of consciousness. We all exist within the reality that is created for us. And this conceptualization of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of that unity of reality is not just in the Gospels. You know, in the letter to Paul Corinthians says, God's secret wisdom a wisdom that's been hidden that God destined for our glory before time began. The idea of a secret wisdom. Jesus says, you know, when you know the truth, it will set you free. And the foundation of that goes all the way back to the, New, the Old Testament. There is a foundation of unity of consciousness right the way back through into the Old Testament. When Moses is before the burning bush, God speaks to him and says that he should go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. You've all seen the film. Moses was actually a fairly timid soul. 
who stuttered and was unsure. And to quote Exodus, Moses says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they say, what's his name? What shall I tell them? In other words, you know, what are you, how am I supposed to tell them that God has sent me? He asks for God's name. And in Jewish custom, the name designated your nature. You were who you were in reality. And God could have said anything, you know, tell them the powerful God has sent you or a revengeful God has sent you. I will rain down fire and all that sort of business. But he doesn't say that. In the end, he says, go, he says to Moses, and say to them, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. And I think that's pretty strange that God would define himself as I am. What is really meant by that is tell them that the very essence of who you are, that divine nature, that unitive consciousness has sent you. I am denotes our essence. I am a man. I am a father. I am a postman. The ultimate I am is that unitive consciousness that we've spoken about, that supreme being that is accessible through our consciousness. And God is saying to Moses, go and tell them in the name of your self. And once again, we're being pointed to that beingness. And you know, there are plenty of enlightenment stories in the Bible, if you look carefully. You know, there's Moses at the burning bush. You know, that is obviously an enlightenment experience. There's Paul on the road to Damascus, shining light. There's Jesus at the transfiguration, another shining light. Or Elijah on the mountainside, still small voice. There are all these enlightenment experiences. And wherever you look, People throughout that traditional Bible are having a good old-fashioned enlightenment experience. And this is Christianity as an Eastern religion. Why? You know, why have we not been taught that, you know, that this is the ultimate truth that Jesus is pointing towards? You don't get it in Sunday school. They don't say, oh, it's all about this. Because from the third century, Christianity has been a religion of empire. Christianity has been a religion of empire. And the understanding is that there is one God accessible through one reality. And that understanding enables those in power to create the willingness and necessity for people to conform. Through priests, through kings, they're told to conform. And one who doesn't conform, as Matthew Fox was saying, is burnt at the stake or excommunicated or killed in other foul ways. And, you know, you can see it in my church, the Church of England, so tied to the state. You know, when I was ordained, I didn't have to swear allegiance to God. I had to swear allegiance to the Queen. Can you believe that? The way the story is told, original sin, Jesus, salvation, means that you need priests. You need the state to show you the way because you are inherently in error, hence conforming. Now, that's not to say that you can't put forward the idea that Christianity is essentially about enlightenment as the Buddhist enlightenment. It doesn't mean it's it's different. I was able to do that in England, but I was seen as being on the fringe. It's really not the proper story. It's something to be told to people who really can't appreciate the true love of Jesus. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I came to America. I am a very traditional immigrant. I came to America for religious freedom, (laughs) just like the pilgrims. It's true. 
I came to be able to speak like this, to be in consort with my fellow Buddhists and to proclaim that there is an ultimate reality, however religions decide to interpret it. That wonderful quote from Philip K. Dick, who wrote Blade Runner. Philip K. Dick said, reality is that which continues to exist after you've stopped believing in it. Reality is that which continues to exist after you've stopped believing in it. And this is the same ultimate reality that Taoism describes. This is Taoism. This is from the Tao Te Ching. Approach it and there is no beginning. Follow it and there is no end. You can't know it, but you can be it. At ease in your life. Just realize where you come from. This is the essence of wisdom. And Hinduism says, in the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord. He alone is reality. And in Islam, it says, those who were kings, this is Islam, such as Solomon and David, and those who were sages, such as Krishna and Buddha, all these different souls had the same realization, the same philosophy. There could never be an argument if they were all to meet. But they are not meant to meet because they're all one. It was the spirit of guidance which manifested through all these different names and forms. And in Tantra, it says, I am everywhere, infusing everything. To find me, become absorbed in the intense experience. Go all the way, be drenched in the energies of life. Enter the world beyond separation. In Judaism, it says, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And in Christianity, it says, God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. The kingdom of heaven is within you. I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The reason we are meditating and chanting with our Buddhist brothers here is because we're all about the same thing. The realization of that ultimate reality within ourselves, so that we can share that understanding with others. This is the purpose of life. The goal of each religion is the same. It is the absolute transcendent state, the one reality, the eternal truth, which cannot be expressed and cannot be conceived. This is the goal not only of all religion, but of all human existence. Whether they like it or not, all men and women are continually attracted by this transcendent truth. The intellect, in and beyond every formulation by which it seeks to express its thought, is in search of the absolute. Christianity is an Eastern religion. Let's pray. So we pray for the divisions in the world. The illusion of separation that causes conflict and wars and preference, oppression, difficulty. We pray for those in prisons, in war zones, in conflict, those suffering from the weather, those suffering from unjust regimes. We pray that united sense of oneness comes through the love of all people. We pray for our leaders 
and all who are over us, that that sense of love and oneness may infuse all of creation. And we especially remember those from our community, Mimi Schlumberger battling with cancer, CP's brother as well suffering with cancer, and CP's daughters struggling with Lyme disease. But Don Wintholz, Matt's father, for Heinz Cordes recovering from surgery, for Rita Hunter with Lou Gehrig's disease, and also today, especially for Kim, Flor- for Kim Floria's family, uh, the memorial for Kim is at Pine Creek Cookhouse today at four o'clock. We pray for David and the boys during that memorial. Amen.